Hi, this is Louise Campbell, co-host of Surfing the National Army podcast. This weekend, we're offering four conversations from Season 3, Episode 49. Our discussion about fibre scan use in the community settings in the UK and the recent NICE meeting on this subject. Plus, from the vault, a section of our coverage of the first NICE meeting on the subject back in March of this year. Roger Green starts this conversation by asking whether the scarcity of relevant data will force the UK and other markets with similar reliance on data to lag more open markets like the US. Professor Ian Rowe describes a process used in oncology called commissioning through evaluation. Whereas the NHS pays for medications while collecting the necessary real-world data to conduct an evaluation. From there, Roger spurs the group to discuss some of the political pressures and metaphorical issues that shape the differences between cancer and liver disease management in the UK versus the US. I discuss the linkages between poor liver health and non-hepatic cancers and express the belief that there is a tremendous value in having more robust discussion on liver to cancer cancer link. Ian mentions the ever-increasing challenge of hepatology, of treating more aggressively and effectively with non-invasive technologies while simultaneously conducting the research on the best way to do so. At this point, William Alazawi joins the conversation and returns to the issues of liver versus cancer to discuss liver having learned to handle stigma while dealing with hepatitis C and to note that the liver outcomes are linked to socioeconomic status. We've discussed several times on this podcast the need to broaden the use of NITs as the primary diagnostic paradigm and to create and promote guidelines to remove the mystery and confusion from individual physicians finding the best way to do so. In that spirit, sit back, listen, enjoy, learn, and when you're done, how about joining the dialogue on our LinkedIn discussion group? Roger Green. In the States, it's such a different world, right? The level of rigor that you folks are living with here, in fact, rigor in the absence of data, or more to the point, the idea that absence of data is prima facie proof of lack of rigor is not the way we usually think about things over here. Okay, uh, now, there are a whole variety of reasons for that, and that's the reason our healthcare is ridiculously expensive and only good in places where people have money. But I'm wondering, is there a developed paradigm for how to adopt technology in places where the data is only arriving now, or do you wind up having to lag the world? simply because you can't get data there fast enough on things that you know are good ideas. Ian Rowe. So there are, <laughs> there are ways that the NHS can manage uncertainty and evidence with emerging technologies. And in the cancer space, they use systems called commissioning through evaluation, which is essentially a pay for the treatment, collect data and to establish its efficacy in a real world setting. The other thing that is happening in parallel to this nice discussion and this parodies all of the rigour and things that Roger's just talked about is that NHS England are currently uh, very engaged in t- trying to prevent cancer. So what they're doing is they've got a sequence of community pilots to roll out Fibroscan into primary care settings and also into other treatment settings like community drug services and community alcohol treatment services to try and identify patients with significant liver disease so that those with cirrhosis can be enrolled into HCC surveillance programs, which given the uncertainties that NICE is dealing with, it seems to have steps beyond some of the evidence that we're looking for. It's really a political decision through NHS leadership. And I think it's really interesting to observe the differences between what's actually happening on the ground, commissioned by the central structures against what's happening here at NICE. So did you folks have a parliamentary election in 2012 or 2016? The reason I ask is because in that campaign, and this goes back to exactly what you just said, the expenditure on healthcare was a major issue in both the US and the UK. In the US, it was, gosh, why are we spending so much? And in the UK, it was, we're not spending enough on cancer. So if you will, literally flip sides of the issue. So I'm not surprised in the aftermath to understand
understand that NHS may be looking at cancer in a very different, less data-rich, more politicized way than, than other healthcare because A, of what cancer means metaphorically, and B, because it is a political question. I think that's absolutely right. And the UK, its cancer outcomes aren't as good as some of its neighbours and certainly not as good as the Scandinavian nations. And that's always been a cause for concern. And early diagnosis of cancer is one of the issues that's been at play. And I think it's really interesting that it's the liver cancer that has driven the development of these pilots for early diagnosis of liver disease rather than early diagnosis of cirrhosis to prevent liver failure and death. And it looks like the cancer lever is a lot stronger for the sorts of reasons that you're alluding to. So there are moments like this when Louise is in the back of my head, even though you're not speaking right now, Louise, I have one quick comment and then to you. Metaphorically, right, liver is about as far from cancer as it gets. The metaphors of liver are all, oh my gosh, you must be a drinker. Oh my God, you're eating too much. It's all about bad individual responsible behaviors. Whereas, except for maybe smoking-related lung cancer, we tend to treat cancer as something that fell out of the sky and dropped on our heads. And I think that's a problem all over the West. So, Louise, go ahead. But one of the things I'm scratching my head about is in a political context, what does that mean for us in terms of what we need to do to politicize liver to get to a better decision on these things? Well, let me take the first part. I was just going to ask Ian first before I jump on that one, because, of course, it is Liver Awareness Month and Liver Cancer Month specifically. My understanding about the NHS England interest in cancer was because the ODNs were all given a fibre scan machine. So there was a fibre scan machine somewhere for the delivery of hepatitis C, and it was a reuse of that equipment. But most of the ODN scans and the one that we got when I was in the ODN didn't have cap. So it's older technology and not necessarily fit for certainly NAFLD, NASH. It purely is just stiffness, which is only part of the argument. I would applaud and do applaud that initiative, but it also underlines the lack of coordination and the silos that the health service and people trying to drive wellness detection and early location we still live in and that's a sadness for me because I think we are linked and to look at the politicisation Roger, cancer is a, I suppose a strong lever for liver. Liver cancer is one of the fastest growing cancers globally but if we look at the figures from this recent month that are coming out, it's the third largest cancer. It kills more people than and breast cancer, but it can be linked to 40% of all, more than 40% of all cancers. So when you look at stomach cancer, when you look at all of the other cancers, breast cancer, we know that increased alcohol consumption increases your risk of breast cancer. So a lot of the other cancers can be directly related to liver. So again, we miss the elephant in the room potentially when we talk about locating other cancers. So if we then start to look at the figures, I will wait for Ian to come back on this because I'm just generally that if we can therefore link poor liver health to the development of cancers, it does amaze me globally that we have no public health campaign to look at people's underlying liver health, given the effect that it has on all of the other big organs and specifically the effect of cancer. And I'm drawn to, before you jump in there, I'm drawn to Tracy Simons and colleagues' research that when you were diagnosed at 17 years of age on average with fatty liver, not cirrhosis or fibrosis, one in 15 was dead in 20 years of extrahepatic cancers and cardiovascular disease to highlight that sort of data. I can't come on the surfing the Nash tsunami wave without saying that if we're getting attention through cancer, we should just ride that wave, shouldn't we? That's the answer. Yes, we can continue to advocate for the liver failure aspects, but if we've got attention, then we should take that and, and run with it. The other thing that I think is important at the moment is that the liver community went to our research funder and said, we don't know what the best way to identify people at risk of liver diseases and to test them in the community. And we're asking 
asking for, well, I don't know how much people will be asking for, but they'll be asking for a substantial amount of money to fund a trial to answer some of those questions about what is the best way to diagnose liver disease early, you know, whether that is by screening patients with risk factors, ignoring LFTs, whether it's testing LFTs and then testing downstream from there, or a blend of both approaches, which is likely to be more effective, I think. And then considering which the optimal tests are and used in what sequence. So we're actually in quite a difficult position. We're trying to ride, I don't know how many horses, but at least a couple, and that is to deliver non-invasive testing in the community because NHS of England have commissioned it to try and do the best for those individuals who we can find. But at the same time, we've got to try and do research at the same time to answer questions quite similar to, but maybe not quite the same as, the questions that are coming through the NHS England pilot. I guess these are the things that happen within national health services because it's coordinated. I use that term loosely because it appears as it's not completely coordinated. So if I recall some of the things that Jeff Lazarus has talked about in the past, it's hardly coordinated anywhere in the world that grading on a curve, this is a place where a D would get you uh, high honors, right? Because it's not an F. And uh, because no one's figured out how to coordinate this shit. The Indians, to some degree, maybe you folks second. And after that, I don't really know very much else. I could be wrong there. It's just my sense of it. Kate, any thoughts on this? Catherine, Jack. Well, I've been listening to you all chatting. What has struck me is that there's an increasing number of nurses and AHPs, certainly in the UK, who are keen to become involved in research from a perspective of identifying the questions and actually leading the studies themselves in a real clinical academic role. And you've been saying that NICE are in need of more data and more evidence. I'm just wondering what all of you think about where the opportunities might lie for more nurse and AHP-led research to focus on bringing the data that's needed to drive this forward. I think you're absolutely right. And as a nurse with my own company, who does a lot of fibre scans within reason and more in the lifestyle, being able to look at the real world setting for people with poor liver health who aren't patients is key for me. So yeah, I'd love to be driving that argument. I'm trying to certainly do that. I think being able to support and deliver those mechanisms and to be able to bring in more healthcare professionals, allied health, I think is absolutely vital. I was at a meeting in Washington not so long ago and there was a social worker who was specifically related to liver health. Now that was a fantastic initiative. I've seen it in HIV previously, but never within liver disease itself. And I think that comes into the specifics of the BSG. The BSG quality metrics that you were part of have just literally included physiotherapists as well and dietetics and a broadening that whole involvement in allied health in development of documents. Good evening, William. Good evening, Will. How are you? Welcome welcome to Surfing the Nash Tsunami. Good evening. Thank you. We spent the last 15 minutes trying to get Will into this podcast late, and he succeeded. Good job. Yeah, I'm very challenged in finding my way in, so apologies. I have heard what's been talked about, though, because I was able to listen. So normally we would ask you to spend a couple of minutes telling our other listeners a little bit about yourself and your background, but I think we'll save that for the end of the podcast for those who would like to listen to the end so we don't chop up this conversation. Will, what's your reaction to what you've been hearing? What are you thinking? William Elizabeth. So there's a few things that sort of spark my interest. I want to wind back to your comment, Roger, about liver and cancer not occupying the same imagination for the general public. And I think the points have been touched upon. But the thing to say, Roger, is this isn't our first rodeo. We've been here before and we've dealt with stigma before and we've been able to work through stigma with hepatitis C. And in that sense, we did upend the way in which we deliver healthcare. We did go and find people for whom the normal model didn't work. We understood what the barriers to testing 
linked to treatment might be. So although this is very much a metabolic disease, it's a different group of people, we're not talking about the same populations. What we are talking about, though, is marginalized people. And as liver doctors, you can't be a liver doctor, you can't be a liver nurse, physiotherapist, dietitian. You can't be a health professional in liver without really wanting to find the marginalized, without really wanting to know what it is that makes people unable to access the healthcare in the way you would want them to do it. So your question, what are we going to do about this? Well, the first is to move away from the idea of self-inflicted. Nobody wakes up in the morning and decides that they're going to have something happen to them like the alcoholic liver disease. They don't want to set out to become alcoholic. People don't set out to have diabetes, set out to have obesity. But people end up living with these conditions. Part of what the liver world has done well and needs to keep doing in this space is to make that distinction between metabolic diseases, diseases that might otherwise affect us because we don't really know what's going on in terms of our uh, you know, metabolism, our diet, our alcohol consumption, but then turn that around and identify the people who are at risk of significant disease. So then you talk about cancer and cancer is a condition that people imagine just comes down upon you. Well, I don't see this as significantly different. Let's be really spiky. I've only been on the podcast for about 90 seconds. Let's be really spiky and let's ask the question whether or not it is the people with the same social capital who are at risk of significant liver disease as it is as the people who may be at risk of the full breadth of cancer. And in that sense, Roger, you are right. Unfortunately, cancer can happen to anyone. And bad outcomes from cancer have affected most people who are listening to this podcast, either directly or indirectly. Unfortunately, your liver disease is worse the further down the socioeconomic strata you go. And the more marginalized you are, the more likely you are to run into bad outcomes from liver disease. So they're my thoughts. I hope I haven't sort of repeated what colleagues have said. Well, that was one of the best debuts we've had in the history of this podcast. Yeah, that was spiky. That was different. Nobody had said that. And it all makes sense. And now back to Louise Campbell. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We'll be back next week, and I know we do not have a topic yet, so keep your eyes peeled for a preview ads or posts in LinkedIn, Twitter, or Instagram. Until then, as Roger would say, stay safe, surf on, and we look forward to seeing you on the podcast. Bye for now. Surfing Nash.